You are about to listen to a message from David Bendet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's desire is to see people lit on fire by God's love, His Word, and His presence. So prepare yourself to be inspired by the wind and the Word, and get fired up about what God's doing today. So I woke up this morning early, and it was about, I woke up about 5.45, as I normally do on Sunday mornings, and about six, I made it into the bathroom, and I was so tired. I just was completely exhausted. I didn't get to bed till late. We had such a long day yesterday, and I mean, I was just so toast. And I stumbled into the bathroom, and I'd been meditating on what I was going to talk with you guys about today for several, you know, for the whole week at least, and the last few days more so. And this morning, the Lord dropped a word into my heart about something that I've been talking about and wanted to talk about. And he says, I think you should talk about that. And I said, well, that, that'd probably be a good idea. And the Lord said, you think? And I was like, I just giggled because he's like, yeah, that's probably going to be a good idea. And ever since that time, I've been so excited about today. So excited. I mean, from that moment, I've just been giggly with the Lord. In fact, I posted this post on my Facebook this morning. I said, my message is going to come. We're going to consist of a two points today. Point number one, how to get on fire. Point number two, how to stay on fire. And that's the gist of it. Because I love being on fire. I love being passionate and excited. I love to be radiant. And so the title of my message this morning is The Radiant Ones. It's the message for Sunday morning, August 14th, 2016. Now, this is part two of a message I preached a few weeks ago, and we're going to continue from that message. In fact, this is a message that I could probably preach a hundred parts on. It's never going to end, because I love talking about being radiant. So let's just briefly define what it means to be radiant. To be radiant means to shine, it means to glow, and it means to produce light that shines outward on other people and around your life. That's what it means to be radiant. Somebody that is radiant is a person that clearly expresses or emanates joy and passion, love, and health in their life. My mission statement in life is to successfully show you what it means to live an abundant life, happy, healthy, and free through Jesus Christ. But how can I show you or how can you show someone else how to have an abundant life if you're not having it for yourself? So it's not arrogance and cockiness. It's not false humility. The point is, is that God does want us to shine bright so that people can see and have an example because the fire is contagious and it's attractive. Who wants a ho-hum, glum pastor? Who wants a pastor that's going to be prophesying death in the streets and ISIS is going to get you and the, all the, the end times and destruction and death and all these horrible things? You want a pastor that's tied into the Lord, and God wants people raised up that's getting their news feed from heaven, not from the things of this world. That's why you have to limit your Facebook time. You have to limit your news time and your TV time, because if you're not careful, it feeds this fear and worry and anxiety and apathy into our hearts. It doesn't mean I'm not aware of the events going on around the world. But what it does mean is that I'm first and foremost listening to the Lord and getting my news feed from Him before anything else, and then when I'm watching the news, I only take in just enough to understand. Because if you spend a lot of time on any one thing that comes into your heart, mind, and soul, it becomes you. What you look at is ultimately what you reflect. And we get angry about the president race, and we get angry about the events going on around the world, and we find ourselves doubting and not trusting, getting frustrated, and then we especially get frustrated with God. God, where are you? The church, God's people, etc. And so it's important that we're tuned in and dialed into the things that matter the most. And in turn, when you're dialed into Christ, something happens to you. And God wants to set us on fire so all the world can see. Being on fire is a good thing. The people of God need to be lit on fire. It's so simple, yet we make it so complicated. It's why it's one of my most favorite topics in the Bible. In fact, it's so simple. You'll read scriptures over and over again and miss the simplicity of what God is trying to say to your life. For example, take a look at Matthew chapter 5, 
verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Now, when I read the Bible, I like to read line upon line, precept upon precept. I can take this one scripture and meditate on it and chew it, and I can get so much out of this one scripture. For example, you are a city, not an island under yourself. Everybody say, I am a city. So he didn't say, you are all alone, and you're called to be a light by yourself. He spoke to his disciples, and he said, it's a city component. Hence the context of Rock City Church. We're called Rock City Church, not because I'm a rock and roller, yeah, 80s music. Metallica rock on, yeah, dude. We're called Rock City Church because we're the city built on the rock. The body of Christ. And I just so happen to believe that we can live up to the namesake of this city. I believe prophetic words that say, as it goes with the body of Christ, Texas, so it will go with the body of Christ around the world. I believe that. I just so happen to have enough childlike faith to say, what the heck, let's go for it. If God planted you here in Corpus Christi, Texas, then there's a really good possibility that he put you here for a reason and a purpose. And the enemy comes along to make you apathetic. And I don't like those gangbangers on the west side. And I don't like these people the way they are. And I don't, I don't like this and that and poverty mentality and people that don't care. You know how you affect change? You become the change. And instead of looking at the problems and the issues, you look to the solution, which is Jesus. Said this before, I'll say it again. I was driving on the cross town. I said, God, I want to see your fruit in this city. He said, tag, you're it. I said, but no, wait, Lord, I, I'm looking for external things like the economy, some new restaurants coming into town. We're all excited about it. Got a P.F. Chang's, Cheddar's, Chewy's is coming. Oh, man, get excited. Corpus is on the move. The fruit that God produces in the land is in his people. And it's his people carrying forth a kingdom mentality. It's not about the stuff and the things that you have. It's who you become. It's not measured based on how big your house is or how many cars you have, but it is based on what you do with the things that God gives you and how you reflect them. For example, after 40 years of wandering in the desert, just before they're going to cross the final river of suffering, which is the Jordan, you got one more river to cross. One more river into the promised land, and it's the last reminder of the suffering that you went through, and now you will pass through the waters and be birthed into the promised land, and the most pressure has been after 40 years of feeling like God gave up and a whole generations of people have died. And you think, I don't know if I'm gonna make it, and God says, you're gonna make it, there's a promise in front of you. And the Lord says, through Moses to the people, here's what he says, he, and I'm gonna paraphrase it for you, I'll bring it into modern day. When you get into that promised land and you get your ranches and your houses and your cars and all your stuff, gold, so he says gold, silver, the land of milk and honey, when you possess the land and take the gates of your enemies, all these things then, now it's, the, it's a picture of God expanding you. And this isn't some weird prosperity thing, it's in the Bible. The point is, is he delights in the prosperity of his people. So he wants you to expand. He wants you healthy and whole. Yesterday at the outreach, a man that's been battling alcoholic for two years, alcohol for two years as an alcoholic living on the streets come to me and says, man, I'm just full of God. And I looked at him and said, if you're full of God, then you would be set free from that addiction after two years of hearing what you hear here. I said, what are we going to do to get you completely free? Because I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And he looked at me for the first time and he said, okay. We're going to talk about it. Some of you know who I'm talking about. But the point is, the point is, is God transforms. God doesn't leave you the same. You, you change into a new image. He makes you sons and daughters and you metamorph. You transform into the, something that, you, that he wants you to be. You're no longer the old. You step into the new. And so he said, when you get into the promised land and suddenly all this stuff starts happening for you, you better never forget where it came from. And now that I've stripped you down and tested you for 40 years in the desert, just like he did with Jesus, 40 days, and we go through the hardship, we think it's the devil, when really it's God tearing things down in our life so that we don't build kingdoms unto ourselves. 
Then you get full of power so that when you step into the promise, you don't get prideful, arrogant, haughty, and think you're the one that did it. Look at me. This is in the Bible. I understand these things. So the premise is that your stuff doesn't have you, but you have it. And if God gives you something, you use it to glorify him in everything that you have. Everything. And it's the Lord's desire to expand you, and it's your Lord's desire to put you into relationship as a city. We are a city, a people, the kingdom of God. He's building a new Jerusalem, a new temple, a new city. He's bringing us to a new mountain. That's us as his family, as his people. And what happens is, is when you come to Christ, you can't. Everybody say can't. Now, I know some of you don't like that word, and some of you said, well, can't's not a part. Can't shouldn't be a part of your vocabulary. Yes, it should in this one context. I can't be hidden. I can't. You can't be hidden. Read the scripture. Now, you can try to hide in shame, and you can try to hide behind the bush like Adam and Eve did, but even in their shame and when they were hiding, what did the Lord do? Send a, a brush fire that turned into a forest fire and burn the garden down. No, he didn't do that. Now, the sound of the Lord walking in the garden sounds like fire. If you look up the word sound, it's the word coal, and it sounds like crackling fire. It's like, here comes a fire, it's going to destroy me. But instead of hiding, we come out of shame. We come out of darkness, and we step in. And so the Lord will pursue you if you come to him with authenticity. Genuine, that's why you're here today. I'm sorry if last pastors and churches were dysfunctional. I'm sorry if your friend that was a Christian didn't treat you right. I'm sorry if the, a young adult didn't do what you thought or should have thought they did. I'm sorry that they didn't measure up to your religious perception. But the point is, is you learn to love well and you call people out of hiding. And you call people into the glorious love and light of what he has to offer. You cannot be hidden. We're called to be set on a hill. Why? Look at the next verse. Look at verse 15. I love this verse. You don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to who? To everyone that is in the house. So everybody that's coming into the house is experiencing the love and the light and the glory and the beauty of Christ. Don't just think these four walls, but these four walls are a microcosm of what the global church is supposed to look like. It's just not been. So people say, I don't go to church anymore. I don't need to go to church. That's not true. Because it's in the context of a church that God raises up kingdom government for training and equipping and relationship and teaching you how to do life. Sons and daughters planted in the house of the God. It's in the Bible. Fellowshipping and not forsaking the assembling together is for a purpose because it refines you. And we get past the fear and the worry that if I go to a Christian Bible study, they're all going to be weird and goofy and they're going to look at me funny and they're all going to be hypocrites. Or I'm not going to go to that church because there's so many messed up people there. Welcome to the church. <laughs> I'm smiling, by the way. It's for the, sometimes I get so intense. I know I listen to myself on our, we have a podcast now on iTunes. Just search Rock City Church. On your podcast, you'll find all the messages all the way back to Dan Moeller. And if you're listening, a lot of times I sound so intense, but I'm really smiling and fired up. Now, I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to get in your face, and I'm going to cause you to snap out of dysfunctional thinking. And the point is, is that we are to be radiant. Like, I love some of the synonyms for radiant. Can I just read you the list? Here's some synonyms for radiant. It It means to shine to be bright, to be illuminated, to be brilliant, gleaming, glowing, ablaze, luminous, lustrous, dazzling, shimmering, and splendent. It also means that you produce heat. You're God's heating element. Say, I'm God's heating element. And you know what radiation therapy does? It heals people's lives. You're God's radiation therapy to sickness and disease in this world. You are designed to burn out. But if you're not burning, how can you burn it out in somebody else's life? Hence, I teach all the time, how do you get on fire and stay on fire? I think people are looking for people that are lit on fire. Am I spitting on you? No. All right. I didn't feel it. 
It's sanctified spit anyway. You look like you needed a shower today. I got it. And so the Lord wants us to produce life. Verse 16, so let your light shine before men. I mean, how many times have we read this scripture? How many times have we heard this scripture? And yet somehow we fall back into the patterns of lukewarm, half-hearted Christianity. And I will preach this message all my life because I will snap people out of half-hearted lukewarmness. And there are easy ways to do it, but they're patterns, not formulas. That's why I love, I'm still giggling. Here's my two-point message, how to get on fire, how to stay on fire. And there's so much to that. But everybody say, it's patterns, not formulas. So when you read the Bible, you've got to look for patterns. You've got to look for patterns. And certain words jump out to me. So let's look back at Psalm 34. And I'm going to read to you verses 4 through 7. And then I'll break them down. But as I'm reading through, I want you to look for these words. A lot of times in my Bible, I'll take a, a little few scriptures or a little bank of scripture and I'll highlight certain words. And as we read, I want you to look for these words. Seek, look, cry, fear. See, seek, look, cry, fear. Because those words jump out to me as my obligation. I know the Lord's faithful. I've learned enough to know that he'll never give up on you. The only time it'll be too late is when you hear that trumpet cry in the middle of the night. That, that is a terrorist cry to those that don't know him. But to us, it's the cry. It's the joyful noise that causes me to walk in his light. Because Psalm 89, 15, when it says, blessed are those who hear the joyful noise, that word for noise is battle cry, war cry, shout of a trumpet. Hence, we see Jesus as our general. Hence, we're militant in the context of, I'm his strategy, I'm his battle plan on earth. And I'm together with an army of lovesick worshipers that were outcasts and didn't fit in and ragtag and weren't perfect and realized through God stripping down and tearing down how weak and broken and desperate we were. That's why I often say the church is designed to be more like a hospital, not a palace. I had a friend once say, I really didn't, I don't want to go to church because I'm afraid that I'm going to be disappointed because people have come to expect less and less and less from church. But this should be the place where you experience God. This should be the place where his presence comes and we sing how great they are and our hands sta hair stand on it and the whole sanctuary is lifting their hands and you walk in, <clears throat> excuse me, and you go, oh my gosh, something is different here because it's his presence and a people desperate in their diversity. Yeah. All different kinds of walks and lives and backgrounds. I can't imagine that every one of our theological doctrinal belief systems match up exactly right. Can you imagine? Who's going to do all those interviews anyway? <laughs> I don't have time for that. You establish doctrinal understanding by culture. The way we love, the way we worship. Mamas and papas, sons and daughters. Kingdom patterns. Gardens and building houses. These are kingdom patterns. And that's how we're building this house. And so when you walk into a place that's a healthy garden with fruit all around and praise and everybody's reaching up to the sun and looking to the light and we're radiant, as we become radiant, it's attractive. The fire's contagious and the fire's attractive. Bless you. So, so the question is, as we look at Psalm 34, how do you become radiant? Point one, how do I get on fire? Come here, that's right, my mom says. Come here, you'll get on fire. <laughs> Stick around, trust me, it's contagious. Amen. Psalm 34, the entire psalm gives you an incredibly powerful picture of what happens when we, when we fulfill our obligations. But our obligations aren't be more religious. Our obligations are very simple. So let's look at them. Psalm 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 5, they looked at him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him 
out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Again, look at patterns, not formulas. Cry out, seek, fear, look. All of these words have incredible treasures if you look at them a little bit deeper. And I thought, well, you would sure think seek would be simple, but I looked it up in the Hebrew, and here's what it means. To seek the Lord, especially in the context of fear. Look at the scripture. When you're afraid, when you're not sure if you're going to make it, when you're worried about being in relationships with other people, if you have any false perception of who God is, any fear that would come into your life, if you seek the Lord, go back to verse 4, if you seek the Lord, what will he do? He'll hear you, and then he delivers you. And so to seek the Lord is the key. Does God answer everybody? He answers everybody if they're authentic and genuine and come out from hiding. Can you imagine if Adam and Eve would have stayed behind the bush and said, I don't want to see you, God, stay away. I don't want anything to do with you, but they didn't. And God came, and they, he just confessed his sin. And then God in his love and kindness covered him, made a sacrifice for him, and then even spoke of a promise of this day all the way back to the garden. And so God does answer those that are authentic and genuinely come to him with a broken spirit and a contrite heart recognizing that you can't do it on your own anymore. And God has a way of whittling anyone and everyone down. Trust me. Read Psalm 73. Don't get into this comparison mode where you're thinking all the rich and the wealthy and everybody's so happy. Trust me. True peace only comes from the Prince of Peace. You can have millions and millions of dollars and still be chasing after the pleasures and the comforts of this world that never satisfy. But Jesus says the water he gives will always satisfy you. And God in his love, when you understand his word, Psalm 107 says, in the midst of the people's trouble, when they turn to harlotry and adultery, they'd cry out to the Lord, he'd deliver them. And then they'd do it again, and then he'd deliver them. He, they would get into a mess. They'd cry. It's this repetitive pattern. Read Psalm 107. That's why you've got to read the Bible. The Bible says that David said in Psalm 119, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So it's two things, a lamp and a light. So it's like God's, the word is in front of me, the written word, but now I have his light and his spoken word around me at all times. It's two things. You're not going to know what God's saying if you don't know what God has said. This is the river bed, the written word, and him speaking is the river. So you're inspired by the breath of God. You've got water and wind to sail. It's not just one or the other. You've got to have them both. God's word is a lamp because it brings, it brings stability to my feet and my walk. And then he's a light because in his word is light. And so I have his breath breathing upon the written word in my life. I'm going to show you that in a moment. And then that sets your heart on fire. And so in seeking him, it means to consult and inquire with care. To consult and inquire with with care and reverence. Everybody say reverence. It means to authentically desire what you're seeking and to fully adhere to what you're inquiring of. It means to seek or to study, follow, and seek with application. It also means to allow yourself to also be inspected and inquired of. So everybody say this with me. Say to seek and to be sought. That's what it means. So it means that when I step out from hiding and I step into him and I look to him, any fear and any shame in my life is removed and then God looks at me and then expects and inquires something of me. That's why there must be obedience. It means to look and behold and fully adhere to what I'm looking upon. Because in the next scripture, you're going to see how you become radiant. He delivers you. The word deliver in the Hebrew means he snatched you away. It's a little violent. It means I plucked you out. A great picture of it is the, the, the crippled man, the paralytic at the gate called Beautiful in Acts chapter 3, 
For years and years and years, the religious people were going to temple, passing their beautiful gate. And there's the man hurting and broken. We have hurting and broken people sitting at our front door every Sunday, coming in here every Sunday. And they walk by. And finally, two disciples, Peter and John, walk by and see and say, what you're needing in the natural I don't have, but what you need in the spirit I do have. Silver and gold I have none, but what I do have I give to you. And, and, and they stretch their hand out and say, in Jesus' name, arise. Snatched them out of brokenness and dysfunction and hurt and pain and deliverance. That's to be delivered. Unfortunately, deliverance has got this bad rap in the charismatic churches. Like you need deliverance, deliverance, especially if you've come from a really warped, charismatic church. There's a lot of them out there. And we often think that all deliverance is, is foaming at the mouth and eyes rolling the back of your head and casting out demons. And listen, that can sure be a part of it because I've seen enough of it. And instead of me going, now stop rolling your eyes in the back of your head. This isn't, this isn't pretty. Stop foaming at the mouth. Instead of that, I'm like, come out right now in Jesus' name. But more often than not, if you close the door on the enemy, he's got to go. I don't want the enemy to man. I don't have to see that. If it happens, it happens. But the point is, is I don't care. I just want him to come out. And if you'll bring forgiveness and life and love and allow Christ to come into your heart, he delivers you and all that stuff has to go. You just got to close the door on the enemy. And sometimes you need help closing the door on the enemy. Really, we're called to do it together. You can't say, I gotta, I'm going to just do this on my own. I got this. That's a wrong mentality. That's why family, city, kingdom, mamas and papas, sons and daughters. And no, I've never done church this way. Ever. Neither of you. We're all in this for the first time together. Because I've done enough church and read enough books and been around the block enough that I haven't seen healthy guarding. And it doesn't mean we're perfect. And I'm not trying to just boast on us. I'm just telling you. That this is a new thing for all of us. And that's why in such a short time we've grown and people are hungry and desperate for more. They're hungry and desperate for more. And we do do deliverance here. And we still believe in casting out demons. And we still pray in tongues. And we still believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we still go after it. But we do it in a normal, natural, healthy way. Not trying to be make a scene in a show to get you more excited. Being on fire and being radiant is not a hyped up thing. It's something that becomes you. So when I look to this light, my face shines. Okay? When I look straight at it, my face and my countenance shines. But now the light gets inside of me. It's more than just looking at it. It's allowing the light to come in me and then it comes out of me. So I had a dream not long ago and I could see. Have you ever seen... Uh, sound wavelengths and the different colors and, of what it looks like. And so reds and greens. And I could see in the spirit in people, some brighter, some darker. And then I saw it go in them and come out of them into other people. And I could see how that works, is that it comes in me and then it comes out of me and I become radiant and shine for other people because I have it in me. And so to seek him means I'm going to follow his application. It means I'm going to become a disciple. No, not everybody out there belongs to God. Oh, Romans 8 says those who don't have the spirit or don't belong to him. I don't know what else to tell you. There's something about your getting adopted, which means I was once orphaned. I mean, this isn't a universalist church. <clears throat> I know you want the really nice acceptance all. Everybody's just saved and they don't know it. But there's got to be a decision and a commitment. I sought the Lord and made a decision to fully adhere and study and become a disciple and give my whole life to him. And in turn, he delivered me. And then look at the next verse. Look at the next verse, verse 5. I looked, they looked to him and what happened? They became radiant. To look means I didn't just get a quick glance. To look means I was going this way and I turned. The first meaning of look is I turned. Hence repentance. Repentance is not some weird Christianese word that you can't figure out. Repentance means to change the way you think about something. So when I once thought the church was all jacked and all the Christians were a mess and I'm and I going to do it on my own, just make it by and by, pie in the sky, I'm just going to get to heaven... Now I realize that I need each other, and this is much more than just getting there. It's about bringing there here. Yeah. 
And now I want to experience kingdom life and health and wholeness here no matter what I face. And now I'm so fascinated with the Lord. I don't want to run to 40s and, do, and joints and smoking and drinking and all these other things. I run to him and I'm filled and fully equipped by him and satisfied when my wife can't meet all my needs and she's not my sole source of happiness. Now I'm strengthened by him and he's my number one. And now I learn to love and live the way God wants me to. Got that? So you, to look to him means this in this scripture. In my darkest moments... Because it's in the context of shame. That's why perfect love casts out all fear. So let's say that haphazardly some of you in this section are in sin. Hypothetically. And you know that I don't even care and that I love you just the same. Your sin doesn't faze me. I'm going to hug you, love you, and I'm going to comfort you. Because that calls you out. Couples come in here living together, having sex. I don't care. This is where they should come. Because they should know, people are like, oh, there's a witch in the room. Praise God, because light's more powerful than the darkness. There's no such thing. Listen, now listen to me. If somebody's being a distraction and causing a disturbance, trust me, there's enough family members and mamas and papas to handle that. But the light is way more powerful than the dark. There's no such thing as yin-yang theology, everybody. If you like yin-yangs, it's a non-reality. If you think of the balance, there is no balance. There's crushing darkness and overpowering light. Woo! I know that all too well because I was in the new way. I thought yin-yang was so cool. Now, look, if you have a yin-yang tattooed on your body, that's all right. People come in tattooed from their past with demons and all that stuff. None of that. Look, you become a new creation. Understand that. Don't, Don't feel any shame. Can you imagine when you can come and be in a, with a group of people that aren't trying to figure out where's your sin? Come on, dude. I, I know you are so jacked up personally. You can't always be happy. Now stop smiling. You know you're messed up. You see how silly that is? Why can't we, and it doesn't mean that I don't take people to the cross. It doesn't mean there's not consequences for sin. There is. And you know who has more responsibility than every, anybody? It's God's sons and daughters. And he chastens his sons and daughters in a unique way, differently than the world. Because when the conviction of the Lord sets in, it is brutal. Man, it's brutal. Because before I didn't even have conviction. I was just sinning like the devil and not thinking twice about it. Now when I make a mistake, something convicts me and says, up. And this thing happens inside of me that is like almost like death. But I know God's judgments actually produces life. So I say, God, just kill me now. You're right. And, instead of, and he says, okay, you understand? You get it? Yes, I get it. And I don't have to live in a week or two weeks or three weeks of this sorrow, pity party, victim mentality. And then I blame it on God. And I think that a God is the one that's still angry and mad. Because we look at God like we do our natural fathers in the way they dealt with us. And so we have a week of I'm sorry. And the Lord reminds me, every time I fall into that same pattern, which is an old wineskin pattern, every time he says, I remove your sin as far as the east from the west. Now, there's still consequences. So you just pony up to the consequences. That's why in some cases, jail's the best thing for some people. Because it was prison that transformed my life. So I never get moved by, oh, my little Johnny's in jail. Leave him there for three days. Let them hang out with some real criminals. Not little Johnny. Oh, sorry. Any name I say is going to fit in somewhere in this church, all right? So when we look to him, shame disappears off your face. It, do- it means you're authentic. It doesn't mean that I live in this incredible, overwhelming utopia of never, ever having an issue. Jesus said in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. He's overcome the world. And we're works in process. It would be awesome if you planted a seed and the next day you had a harvest. 
But if anybody's ever had a garden or been a farmer or ever planted anything, you understand that you plant the seed and then it's got to have nourishment and water and weather the cares of life until some point a harvest comes. Hence, process. And that's why you're all so fired up right now. That's why right now I'm speaking everybody's language in this whole sanctuary. How can God come through me and hit us all at one time? This blows my mind. Especially a guy like me. And no, I don't deserve it. But true love is you never deserved it to begin with. Now, come on, I love you. So if I can get past the deserving thing and the measuring up religious thing that we used to put on everybody, you know, when you first got saved, that, that old religious you, let it die. Stop being the judge, jury, and verdict. Doesn't mean I don't know what's right and wrong, and it doesn't mean God doesn't use me to say, hey, now that's not right, because the spiritual judge is all spiritual, but it doesn't mean I'm going around trying to be the, the anvil on your head. You understand? And then you smile like that, because you realize you're loved, but even when you're crying, you know that I'm going to cry with you, and I'm going to stand with you. Yeah. That's family. Yeah. You got to understand family. That's why I'm so excited about yesterday. I'm still, I'm like overflowing right now from yesterday. And I sat in the kiddie pool, and I didn't care. I ate hot dogs. I didn't have to save anybody. <laughs> Instead, I just did life with my friends. It's like people come, hey, what's happening, brother? Oh, oh sorry, pastor. I'm like, I don't care. You, you don't, look, you don't have to call me pastor. I can get past that old religious thing. It's a respect thing. And I can tell when somebody respects or doesn't respect authority. But I'm so confident in myself that if you even disrespected me, it doesn't faze me because I know who I am. And I realize if somebody doesn't call me pastor because they have an issue, it's their issue, not mine. Because I'm going to be who I am. What you see is what you get. My life is such an open book. You can all be my Facebook friends. I don't care. I mean, at some point, the number's going to run out, I guess, but I don't care. Trust me, half of Brazil's on my Facebook page that I don't, we don't even speak the same English, same language. Same English. So to look means to turn. The key to him answering is in your seeking and in your looking. And in turn, you get lit on fire because something happens. Something happens when you're authentic and genuine. I know people that can't tell me exactly when they got saved or born again. And I love that because they're so on fire that they just looked and it became them. And then they're confessing Jesus is Lord. It wasn't like now, the only way you're going to get saved if you say this sinner's prayer. Really? Because I know so many people, I loved about six months ago, uh, she might be here today, but, uh, but a lady said to me, she said, thank you for saving me. I said, when did you come up to you? I don't remember seeing that. She goes, I never did, but my life is saved. I'm so on fire for the Lord. And it, was, it shifted my paradigm and it reminded me because you become something. And we, got, we think you have to formulize it. If you do the five steps, you'll hear God's voice. The five steps to salvation and the five steps to being born again. It's like, goodness sakes, this is not the way it works, people. Everybody should like what I'm saying right now. <laughs> I'm speaking everybody's language today. Because you become, it's like, am I saved if I stay like this? And I say, man, Jesus, you are the light. Lord, I love you. You set me free. You delivered me. And then his love and his life comes inside of me and I'm transformed. Now, relationship must be maintained. To stay hot in a marriage, you maintain. You, you do things. Well, I'm not doing a lot right now, but soon. Soon and very soon. There's a song there. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. We're fam. I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> I am in trouble later. Just let me tell you, I'm in trouble later. <laughs> I'm 
Let's have some music right now. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, back to the message, everybody. Back to the message. So what happened? <laughs> oh, boy. When, when God answers, listen, when the Lord answers and you look to the light, something happens inside of you, okay? You get hot, you get passionate, you get excited. I've had people say, now calm down. Now why do you have to be, look, I don't, this is how I am. If sometimes I get overly excited and preachy, that's just, I don't mean to be. I don't turn on my preacher voice. I just be me. And sometimes that gets, I get excited, but I've had people say, now calm down. You have to be so excited. Why are you smiling all the time? What's the matter with you? Now, trust me, I'm not smiling all the time. Just hang around my house. When you got two kids, dirty diapers everywhere, runny noses, and meltdowns and crying because they didn't get, you know, their doll and they lost the clothes to the doll and they have to have it right now. It doesn't matter what's happening. The world is stopping if we do not find that doll or the little pink bunny. I mean, the little pink bunny is like a terror in our house. It's like the little pink demon bunny. I'm not kidding you. You, she can't sleep, cry for hours till we, we're, and it's this big. It's this big. We got issues. I'm just telling you, we got issues. These are real issues to a three-year-old, by the way. And then they become our issues. I mean, it's like the whole house is turned upside down for a pink bunny. <laughs> we do do that to the Lord. And so the Lord, when you look to him, he removes the shame and you become radiant. He answers with his love. When you, like first falling in love, but with the Lord you fall in love new every day. You ever see, anybody know anybody that's just fallen in love? Remember when you first fell in love? With the Lord it gets to be that every day. And then the Lord teaches you how to love like that every day. Everybody say, this poor man. I feel like I want to sing that song. This old man. Even. I don't even know how it goes, but it's around our house all the time. Go to the next verse. This poor man, verse 6, okay? I need you to follow me, all right? This poor man cried out. What does that mean? Now, I'll come back to this. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. But some of you may remember Luke. I'm sorry. Some of you may remember Luke 6.20. Let's just jump there real quick. Jesus looks to his disciples. He looks to his disciples, and he says to them, Blessed are you, poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? Let me tell you what it means to be poor. In spirit, it first means to be humble. It first means that I recognize that without him I'm nothing, but with him I'm everything. Yeah. I'm a terrible mess alone, but a beautiful, beautiful mess with him. It means that I'm so desperate and I realize that I'm always prone to weakness, but in my weakness his strength is made perfect. You've got to catch this today. Because when you can understand what it means, this poor man cried out. Not just once, but daily. I'm crying out, Lord, because I'm weak and I'm broken and I'm poor. And God says, that's the sacrifice of the Lord. I'm going to light you on fire and burn you up. Now go back. Let's go back and look at the scripture in Psalm 34 again. This poor man, verse 6, cried out. In my weakness and my humbleness, when I was, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was a wretch. We love singing Amazing Grace. Saved a wretch like me. That's what it means, this poor man. You never move out of that place, by the way, ever. Because the opposite of poor is pride. Lose your brokenness. Lose the, the get into a comfort zone, pride. Stay out of your comfort zone, poor man. Edge. 
<laughs> yes. Oh, man, the Lord, when you love him, he's going to keep you in that place. If you keep your eyes on the light, he'll keep you in that place. And you'll always be dependent, always desperate, always needy. Oh, you're just so needy. And you go, you're such a needy person. And he goes, oh, you're so needy. Not needy like victim mentality entitlement. Needy as I'm always desperate and I never back away. I can't. He won't let me because I'm on this hill and I got all these people looking and I have... I'm shining bright because lots of clouds of witnesses are looking, and he promotes you up. You get all these people watching on Facebook, all these people, and suddenly you come here, and you get involved, and you come, and you start working. You start shooting people with water guns, and they look to you, and they say, what's the matter with you? I'm just going to jump. I'm going to finish up now. Nathan, you can go on. I'm going to leave you with a couple things, and then we're going to pray for you. There's so many things to what sets you on fire, but the first thing is a heart of desperation. The first thing is authenticity. Remember the patterns. Seek, look, cry, and then I didn't even get to the scripture of fearing. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Fear is not fear as a terrorist. God's going to crush me because he hates me. It's fear of reverent awe. But do you know that a lot of times people will look at me as a terrorist? Because I'm a pastor and I have a title. They think I'm going to terrorize them. That if you're a Christian, they think you're going to terrorize them. But there's going to be some people that are going to be ready for the harvest. They're going to be ready to be harvested. And you're going to be the one that's going to come and breathe life and reap that harvest or water them to keep growing. You're not a terrorist. Christians are not terrorists. In fact, Christians will be martyred in the name of love. Most of the apostles were martyred. We've got to be willing to lay our lives down, everybody. And we got to be willing to pay the price. And that's why when Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus and he started opening up the scriptures, look at this scripture, Luke 24, 32. They said, the disciples said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us? While he did what? He talked, Rhema, and he opened up the scriptures, Bogos. You want to stay on fire? You stay in God's word. It's your lamp. It's your foundation. You must read your Bible. You can't not read your Bible. Or you will not know what the Lord is saying when he speaks to you. You got, it's right here. Both. You got to have his breath breathing upon you. Because look what happened to their heart. Man, my hair's standing up on end right now. Sheesh. You get it? When Jesus speaks, people's hearts burn. That's why when I speak as a vessel of Christ with his word and his love from the right intent, people's hearts get set on fire. All of your hearts should be on fire right now. If I'm really listening and was, was investing the time prior to here and doing this the way God wants, all of our hearts should have burned today. But now you have an onus to do something with the conviction and the responsibility when you walk out of these churches and to cultivate a life and to look to him and to stay radiant, you can stay on fire. And I found there's a lot of ways, but I found the number one way to stay on fire is to have an experience with the Lord. And some of you are, are living in old experiences. You know, the kingdom of God is built on experiences. And I posted that on Facebook once. Man, I had all these apologetic guys and all these you know, denominational guys saying, no, God uses logic and reason. I get that. But experiences is what transforms you. Being born again, experience. Salvation is, uh, becoming whole is an experience. Baptized in water, experience. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, experience. His presence, all the things that come with his presence, God talking to you, it's all experiences. And that's why Paul said in Romans 1.11, he's longing to see the church. It's like, I want to come to your house. Okay, I want to come visit you. And I want to come over because in my relationship with you and when I hang out with you, something in me can be imparted into you. If I have something to give to you, I can impart it into your life and it will establish you. Look at what Paul said. He said, I long to see you. Why? That I may impart. Everybody say impart. Impart. Never going to forget this word impart. It means to deposit something into your life. 
And I'll always remember it because guess what the Strong's number in the concordance, the Greek concordance is for this word. I bet you can't guess. Three, 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 zero. We're called to impart. But you can't impart if it didn't happen to you. He does it in you and then he does it through you. Let's say it together. He does it in me so he can do it through me. But if you haven't had it in you, there's no through you. That's why daily bread and fresh experiences with the Lord. Now understand, spiritual gift, this is the word pneumatico, spiritual, means non-carnal or wind-driven. And the word gift means charisma. Charisma means gifts of the Spirit. And it's way more than just the nine gifts of 1 Corinthians 12, the manifestations of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit too. It's all the things of who He is. And if I can impart that into you because it was imparted to me, guess what? You become it. And then do you know what happens when we start connecting the dots? Think about this. Don't check out yet. Listen to this. When we start connecting the dots, I want you to look at the next verse. Pull up the next verse. Verse 12. That is that I may be encouraged together. Everybody say together. together. By the mutual faith, both you and me. So Paul says, this isn't about my, some minister, here comes the, the minister, I'm just going to give you something and leave you. That's why we have to have pastors in local church, not just traveling prophets all the time. Because I'm doing life with you. And I'm committed. I am committed to this city. And I'm committed to this church. I got my life on the line, my family, everything. And it's worth every second of it, no matter how hard it gets. Because we're a family and together we're getting established. Everybody say established. Do you know what it means to be established? It means to be made like-minded. It means to be made stable. Everybody say, make me stable. Place me firmly. Set me fast. Fix my heart. And make me firm. So why is this church growing? Trust me, it's not growing just because I'm such a great pastor. Or it's the David Bendette show. This isn't David Bendette's thing. This is your church. This is us together. This is church lordship. This is mamas and papas and sons and daughters suddenly connecting the dots with each other and imparting experiences. How many of you know you have your best relationships with people you've had life experiences with, right? We went on a motorcycle ride together. We went on a mission. The mission team. How close are the, is the mission team that went to Brazil? How much more connected do you feel now? That's why you should all go on short-term mission trips. That's why you should all come to the event. You should come on Wednesdays. I know some of you can't. But at some point you say, I want to be at the altar when, that, when you got delivered. I'd like to be that guy that was praying when you were. I want to be the guy that watched you get transformed. I want to be the guy that rubbed shoulders with you when you were crying. Because when you were crying, I was there. And I've seen a lot of you cry. And you come out. Come out wherever you are. Let's all stand. You have been listening to a message from David Bindet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay fired up!